Se me ha pedido uh, esta mañana de parte de la Junta de Síndicos que dé uh, un seminario sobre uh, la salud de la iglesia local y a la vez uh, comenzar a formar una estrategia para la salud de nuestras iglesias de la Unión Pentecostés, por lo cual le doy muchas gracias a los hermanos síndicos, a nuestro hermano Longoria, por esta oportunidad, lo cual he tomado muy en serio, y gracias a Dios a que Él nos da su palabra para poder crecer y estar en buena salud como su iglesia. Entonces, esta mañana vamos a tomar nuestro tiempo y creo que parte de esto va a ser un poco incómodo para nosotros, así que vamos a prepararnos un poco para eso, como cuando vamos al doctor, tenemos una cita y nos da una noticia que no queríamos oír, pero mejor es oírla, ¿cuántos están de acuerdo? Parece que no, mejor es oírla. Mi papá decía, yo no quiero ir al doctor porque me va a, lo que me va a decir. Y por eso uh, a veces estaba enfermo, porque no quería que le dijeran lo que ya uh, estaba pasando. Pero uh, la salud de la iglesia es tan importante como uh, el crecimiento de la iglesia y también como la plantación de iglesias. Uh, the, the health of the church is as important, uh, if not more important, for us to discuss today, and so some of these uh, things we're going to discuss will be a little uncomfortable, uh, but it's kind of like a doctor's visit. When we uh, go to the doctor, he might tell us something we didn't want to hear, but certainly something that we needed to hear. And uh, just like we have been emphasizing in church planting, and um, we have been talking about the uh, missionary work of the church, uh, I believe it's important for us as the body of Christ to discuss the health of our churches. Uh, es importante como el pueblo del Señor hablar sobre la salud de nuestras iglesias. And uh, without a doubt, if we ask how many of you want to lead a healthy church, every one of us would say yes. Uh, si yo le pregunto, ¿quién quiere ser líder de una iglesia saludable? Todos diríamos que sí. Uh, entonces, la pregunta para hoy es, uh, si somos saludables como una iglesia local, o si hay cosas que podemos hacer para uh, avanzar la salud de nuestra iglesia. Uh, esa es la voluntad de Dios esta mañana, sin temor a estar equivocado. Es la voluntad de Dios que nuestras iglesias tengan salud. Uh, I believe without uh, a doubt that it is God's will for our churches to be healthy. Can you say amen to that? And that's because... Uh, he wants our churches to grow. Él quiere que nuestras iglesias crezcan. And did you know that healthy things grow? Las cosas saludables crecen. It's a natural part of life. Es algo natural en la vida. A la vez, las cosas saludables cambian. Healthy things also change. And so, uh, with that, I want us to uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Vamos a ir al Señor en oración. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. This morning, we're going to pray that God will open our heart to receive His Word. Vamos a orar que Dios abra nuestro corazón para recibir Su Palabra. And I'm going to ask you to pray specifically that if you hear something today that challenges you, 
that you would open your heart to let God challenge you and challenge your ministry. So if you would, right where you are, just raise your hands and raise your voice and let's ask God to speak to us today. Vamos a levantar nuestras manos y nuestra voz. Pedir que Dios nos hable esta mañana. Father, your servant read today the words of the prophet. There is a word. But today we are people, we are servants. Ministers and pastors have come into this house. Our hearts are thirsty and hungry for a word from God. Lord, we need to go home with a word from, from heaven. We need to take back to our congregation something that we did not have when we left home. We have come to the fountain of the living water, the very source of life. We have come to the word of God. We have come to the Holy Spirit who is able to speak to each one of our hearts. We come with a hunger and a thirst for you have said that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. So we pray, O oh God, come and speak. Come, O oh God, and minister life to us. Come by the power of the Holy Spirit and give us a word in season, a word that shifts us from a place of routine to a place of revolution and revival. I pray for the shifting of the Spirit to take place in our hearts and in our churches. We believe that this is a divine moment a divine appointment, a day which you have set for the unified Pentecostal local churches and for our churches and for my life and our lives. And so we say, come Holy Spirit and have your way. Speak among us, O God, and make us a conscious of your voice. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to be discussing church health this morning, and I have about seven pages, which is a good eight-hour seminar, and uh, I'm going to do this hopefully in an hour and a half, okay? So, uh, let's begin this uh, morning by just looking at some facts. Vamos a ver algunas cosas que son hechos, cosas que no son, no solamente conceptos, pero son ideas que... The first set of facts I want you to look at is on that front page. Um, and these, uh, these come from the book called The Autopsy of a Deceased Church. Estas primeras cosas que vamos a ver vienen de un libro llamado la... Me van a ayudar con la palabra autopsy. Autopsia de una iglesia muerta. Uh-oh. Okay. Le dije que no iba a ser cómodo, pero um, creo que, que vamos a ser beneficiados esta mañana. Can I just ask you to do this? Listen in two ways this morning. Le voy a pedir que escuche en dos formas. First of all, I want you to hear this as coming from the Lord. Quiero que usted escuche esto como algo que viene del Señor. Because God is speaking to us. Can you say amen to that? I also want you to listen to this as coming from your children. También quiero que usted escuche este mensaje como que viene de sus hijos. Because, uh, as you know, I'm the uh, the youngest member of the Board of Trustees 
And um, I believe, as I have been praying uh, since convention, what God has placed me here for. I believe that in part, my role is to help speak to both generations about the transitions that are taking place in the church. And so, I'm asking you to listen to this as a son would speak to a father. And to accept uh, the voice of a generation which is coming behind you, that is crying out uh, for understanding in some of these areas. And so, it's certainly not a, a, a voice of judgment, uh, but a voice that's saying that I believe that in the last days, Elizabeth and Mary, the older generation and the younger, will both give birth. And they'll both have an influence. And just as Elizabeth in her old age gave birth to John the Baptist and Mary in her youth gave birth to Jesus, I believe the last day's church will have a revival when both generations, the hearts of the fathers and the sons, come together uh, in recognition that God is on the move. And so, uh, if you would hear this with that in mind, let's go down this list. I'm going to go quickly through these, because I don't want to linger too much. I want to get to the meat of this message. But there are some signs here of a church that is sick or dying. Hay señales aquí de una iglesia que se está muriendo o ha muerto. The first sign is slow erosion. La primer señal es la erosión it's like a paint job on a house. You don't notice it getting old or eroding, but it happens over time. It's como la pintura en una casa. No se nota que se está haciendo más vieja hasta que ya está quebrantada o está en ciertas partes pudriéndose. And so if you look around and you see in your church slow erosion, it could be the church building. Where you notice that um, there's a board that's been hanging kind of sideways for two or three years. And I don't see it anymore because I'm the pastor and it's normal to me. But someone else comes and they see it immediately. And sometimes that's how slow erosion works. La erosión de espacio puede ser quizá en un edificio, una tabla que está ya cayéndose y los miembros de la iglesia no la ven. Porque ahí están todos los días entrando y saliendo y aún uh, no la ven, pero está decayendo el edificio. It could be erosion in your programs. Quizás sea la erosión en nuestros programas. Que uh, tenemos un programa y ese programa ha estado funcionando por muchos años, pero no ha dado fruto en muchos años. Maybe we have a program in our church that's been functioning for a long time and eating up resources, but not giving fruit anymore. And we see in that slow erosion within the church. This is an imperceptible decline. Es una, uh, una uh, declinación in, que no se ve. Va despacio, despacio. Hasta que un día reconocemos, pasaron 10 años, pasaron 15 años. Y no supe dónde se fue el tiempo. Uh, 10, 15 years passed and we don't realize where the time has gone. Uh, another sign is that uh, in, a, in a deceased church, the past becomes the hero. En una iglesia muerta o muriéndose, el pasado es el héroe. Las conversaciones son allá cuando Dios se movía, allá cuando Dios hablaba, 
allá cuando pasaba el avivamiento. Uh, our conversations are like, well, back then when, uh, in the glory days, when the fire used to fall and the power used to come. And that shows us that the past has become our hero. And I just want to challenge us with this. If our past is greater than, if our memories are greater than our dreams, that we have a problem. Uh, uh, si nuestros, nuestras memorias son más pequeñas que nuestros sueños, más grandes que nuestros sueños, hay un problema. Number three, the church refuses to look like the community. Número tres, la iglesia se rehúsa a verse como la comunidad. A dying church becomes, uh, it's internalized. It no longer worries about reaching the neighbor or the people across the street. La iglesia uh, que se está muriendo ya comienza a uh, perder el enfoque de la comunidad. Ya no se ve como la comunidad. Ya no tiene un corazón para alcanzar a la comunidad. Number four, the budget moves inward. Número cuatro, el presupuesto de una iglesia que se está muriendo es, uh, es hacia arriba, hacia adentro. Todo el dinero de una iglesia muerta se invierte en esa misma iglesia, como se ha dicho hoy. Uh, all the church uh, funds go toward uh, an in the inward cause of the church. There's no longer a vision or a mission uh, to reach. Ya no hay visión o misión para alcanzar a alguien más o a, a, a la comunidad o aún la, el campo misionero. Relacionado a eso, número cinco, la gran comisión se com, convierte en la gran omisión. Number five, the great commission becomes the great omission. A dying church thinks that the great commission is optional and that missions is optional. Una iglesia que se está muriendo piensa que las misiones y la gran comisión es algo opcional, que uh, es algo que no necesariamente tenemos que tomar parte en ello. And often that kind of church thinks like this, if we had the money, we would give to missions. If we had the resources, we would outreach. Friends, if we don't give to missions, we'll never have the money. I'm going to need some help this morning. Remember, I'm your friend. All right, number six. A dying church is a preference-driven church. Una iglesia número seis que se está muriendo es una iglesia que se basa en sus preferencias. Yo prefiero estos cantos, esta música, ese color de la alfombra. I prefer these songs, this music, that color carpet, and the preferences of the people who are already saved start to win over reaching new people. Entonces las preferencias a veces de, de nuestras iglesias uh, comienzan a ganar uh, y tomar pre uh, prioridad en nuestras iglesias y ya no estamos uh, pensando cómo ganar al perdido. Es solamente yo, a mí me gusta esto, no me gusta aquello. A lot of our... Um, a lot of the migration that we're seeing today in the church, mucha de la migración que vemos en la iglesia, and I call it migration because uh, it's not immigration, it's just kingdom citizens moving from church to church. Es migración porque son ciudadanos del reino moviéndose de iglesia en iglesia. And you know, most of church migration is preference-driven. La mayoría de la migración entre las iglesias es la preferencia. Yo prefiero esto. Y, por ejemplo, yo prefiero cantar himnos. Me encantan los himnos de la iglesia. Si tuviera mi preferencia, 
todos los domingos cantaríamos solo los himnos al eliminario de gloria y triunfo. Amén. Pero, si yo me guío por eso, quizá voy a cerrar la puerta a alguien que no conoce esas, esos cantos. Alguien que no entiende ese estilo de música. Entonces, nuestras preferencias a veces pueden cerrar la puerta para um, llegar a nuestra misión. Seguimos. Uh, we continue. Uh, the decreasing pastoral tenure. Una iglesia que no puede uh, tener un pastor por largo plazo está muriendo. A church that is having a decreasing pastoral tenure, this is a sign that that church is in decline. And we go forward. The church no longer prays together. La iglesia ya no ora junta. Uh, the, the, the strongest meeting in our churches every week is not Sunday morning. It is the prayer meeting. Amen. La, la, el servicio más fuerte de nuestra iglesia no es el domingo en la mañana, es el servicio de oración. Si no hay oración entre el pueblo de Dios, si la, el pueblo del Señor no está orando juntos, hay una enfermedad. If the church is not praying together, we're sick. There's a problem. Continuing, the church has no clear purpose. La iglesia allá no tiene un propósito claro. If I ask you, what is the mission statement of your church? Could you tell me today? Si yo le pregunto, ¿cuál es la misión de tu iglesia? Me podrían decir, or maybe I should ask our church members. Because the pastor could tell me, right? But could our church members tell us what our church is about? Podrán nuestros miembros en las iglesias decirnos, en mi iglesia se trata de esto. Se trata de ganar almas, de hacer discípulos. O uh, de, de, cuál es el enfoque o el propósito. And finally, the church is obsessed over the facilities. Últimamente la iglesia está, uh, le da prioridad a las, al, al edificio. Uh, todo, de, todo en una iglesia muerta se trata en mantener el edificio. Edificios bonitos, sin almas. Beautiful sanctuaries without any souls. That's a sick church. This is an iglesia enferma. Uh, when I first came to Beville, uh, it was my, you know, it was, it was the fog of war, right? I had, just, I had just been there a few months and it was VBS time. Cuando yo llegué a Beville a ser pastor, era el tiempo de, unos meses de estar ahí, era el tiempo de escuelita de verano. Y los hermanos, las hermanas de uh, ese equipo decoraron la iglesia uh, como el tema de Escuela de Verano. The, the, the team decorated the church uh, for the uh, uh, VBS and they decorated like a forest. And I was the forest ranger. Lo decoraron con un bosque y yo era el, uh, no sé how you say forest ranger. El Forest Ranger. Y recibí una llamada de una hermana y me dio una sermoneada bien dada. And I got a phone call from a, a sister in the church. She gave me a long sermon about how this was the house of God and we had turned it into a carnival. Que esa es la casa de Dios y le hicieron un carnaval. Y um, nomás dio, me dio todo lo que ella sabía. She just gave it, unloaded on me. And when she was done, cuando ella acabó, le dije, hermana, Uh, déjame hacerle una pregunta. Cuando Cristo venga, ¿va a venir por el, por el edificio o por las almas? 
asked her sister, when Jesus comes, is he coming for the building or is he coming for the people? Who's he coming for? He's coming for the souls. ¿Para quién viene Jesús? Él viene para las almas. Entonces el edificio es una herramienta para ganar almas. No, no es el enfoque, es solo la herramienta. The building then is just a, a uh, tool for winning souls. It is not the purpose of the church. And I know a lot of us as pastors, we dream of that dream church. But when we get our dream church, we still need to remember that that's not why Jesus called us into the ministry. Como pastores soñamos de tener esa iglesia de sueño, una iglesia grande, con, con uh, um, todos los salones de clase, pero tenemos que recordar que cuando tengamos esa iglesia de nuestros sueños, recordar que Jesús no nos llamó a edificar un edificio, nos llamó a ganar almas. Jesus called us to win souls. Uh, un día tuvimos, uh, después de haber uh, uh, remodelado la iglesia, uh, un, un proyecto de 50 mil dólares, solo le digo la cifra para que sepa por lo que pasó. Uh, we had just renovated the church, a $50,000 project. And we had a day of convocation. Tuvimos un día de convocación, un ayuno, y después del ayuno, un caldo, porque usted sabe que no se puede entregar un ayuno sin caldo. Entonces tuvimos caldo y después del caldo hubo otro servicio. We had the, uh, the fast and then we had a, uh, a breakfast and we broke the fast and, and a young lady had just come to Christ. Una señorita que se acababa de entregar a Jesús. Estuvo ahí todo el día ayunando. She was there fasting all day long. Y después de la cena se llevó su caldo en una bolsa. She took her, her soup in a bowl, this, uh, this, in a bag, this young lady who had uh, passed it with us all day, just a new convert, she sat it on the, on the seat right next to her, uh, where she was sitting, and you can imagine what happened. At that moment, that chair cost $50,000. En ese momento, esa silla costaba $50,000 porque dejó el caldo una rueda de mancha. The soup left a stain, a round stain. Y una hermana la arrebató. Que no sabe que acabamos de invertir todo ese dinero para poner estas sillas y, y, y la, ella no sabía qué hacer. Se, pues, se llevó su caldo y se fue. And this lady in the church got after her. Don't you know we spent all this money renovating the church and, and look at, uh, and, and, and uh, the young lady got up and left and The word got to me, I was in my office. La, la palabra llegó a mí en la oficina. Yo mandé a unos hermanos que la fueran a buscar, que se disculparan. I sent some people to go find her and to apologize. And thank God we were able to rescue that relationship. Gracias a Dios pudimos rescatar esa relación. But here's what I want you to know. That nothing in your church, not even the chairs that you just bought, not even the paint job, not even the new parking lot, not even the new building, is worth more than a single soul. Nada en nuestras iglesias vale más que un alma. Nada. Si nos manchan en la alfombra, la alfombra no vale más que el alma. If they stain our carpet, you know, sometimes there's babies in the pew. What are babies going to do? Los bebitos en la banca a veces, ¿qué van a hacer? Y yo, yo sé que a veces... Uh, tenemos ese celo, y, y si lo debemos tener, es la casa de Dios, 
ese es uh, 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 el santuario, debemos tener honra, no debemos mascar chicle. Uh, yo entiendo todo eso, pero también entiendo que el edificio, cuando Cristo venga, el edificio y la alfombra y las sillas se van a quedar aquí. Son las almas que se salvaron, que van a ir con, con Jesús. Entonces, esas señales nos dicen, la iglesia, si tiene esas características, está muriendo. Ahora, yo le quiero dar otra porque estas, uh, estas que le he dado vienen del de, eh, país entero, pero la que usted tiene ahí con una rueda, uh, un graph que le di, you have a graph there. These are our statistics. Estas son nuestras estadísticas. Uh, con la ayuda del de doctor Carmona y nuestras, uh, 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 las hermanas que, que funcionan ahí en la oficina del secretario general, me ayudaron a, a, a recoger las estadísticas de nuestra organización y son varias cosas que podemos ver, pero yo quiero enfocar en esta, porque esta es la más esencial, es la más esencial, I believe, figure of all of our statistics. The baptism of new converts is and should be a normal part of the church's work. Why? Because it demonstrates that we are winning souls. Could you, you agree with me? El bautismo de almas nuevas es y debe ser parte normal de nuestra iglesia. ¿Por qué? Porque es una indicación que estamos ganando almas. 55, 57% de nuestras iglesias no han bautizado ni un alma en tres años. Yo no sé cuáles son y cuáles no son. Yo solo vi las cifras. So, si usted es, es, no está ahí, gracias a Dios, si usted está ahí, para eso estamos aquí. 30% de nuestras iglesias han bautizado una vez en tres años. 6% han bautizado dos veces en tres años y uh, solo 7% de nuestras iglesias han bautizado almas nuevas todos los años de, de esta estadística. Entonces, uh, el, el valor de esta cifra nos dice que una iglesia que no ha bautizado a nadie está enferma, está en salud crítica. Una iglesia que no está bautizando muchos está en peligro de estar enferma. Una iglesia que está bautizando algunos, vamos a decir que está en buena salud, y una que está en uh, está bautizando todos los años, es una iglesia que está en buena salud, es lo que concierne el ganar almas. Entonces, uh, cada uno de nosotros tiene que evaluar, usted conoce su iglesia. Uh, yo, yo sé que hay diferentes factores. There are always different factors in our statistics. But just looking at the raw numbers, 57% of our churches aren't baptizing any new converts in the last three years. 30% are baptizing some, but not regularly. That tells us that less than 13% of our churches are actually in good health when it comes to winning souls. Eso nos dice que 
13% más o menos de nuestras iglesias están, están saludables en esta área de ganar almas. So, I have to ask a question of us. If winning souls is our primary objective, if it's our mission, then we ought to do everything we can to get our church to become a soul-winning machine. Si el ganar almas es nuestra, nuestra meta esencial, entonces debemos hacer todo lo posible para que nuestra iglesia gane almas y que las gane todos los años, todos los meses, uh, y, y que haya un deseo, en, en, no solamente en el corazón del pastor, pero en la iglesia, que entre todos se entienda, no importa el tamaño de la iglesia, grande o pequeña, la iglesia puede ganar almas. Doesn't matter how big or small the church is, the church can win souls. I wish I could tell you different figures today, but these are our figures. I told you this wasn't going to be comfortable. But if we don't take this seriously, we're going to continue to decline. Si no tomamos esto en serio, vamos a ver la declinación continua de nuestras iglesias. Y ya establecimos que es la voluntad de Dios que nuestras iglesias estén saludables. We already established that it's God's will for our churches to be healthy. So let's look at the problem. Page two, real quick here. Uh, number one, the gospel is not the problem. Uh, número uno en la página dos, like, el evangelio no es el problema. How many of you believe that the gospel still works in the 21st century? El Evangelio todavía funciona en el año uh, 2016, en el siglo XXI. So, the gospel isn't the problem. We cannot preach another gospel. As was so well said last night, Jesus is our message. Jesús es nuestro mensaje. No podemos uh, predicar otro mensaje. Tenemos que predicar a Cristo y el Evangelio sigue salvando almas. The gospel still works. Number two, this might surprise us, but the world is not the problem. Número dos, el mundo no es el problema. Pero como pastor, si el mundo es el problema. The world is the problem. No, really, the world is not the problem. Why? Because the world is the world. El mundo es el mundo. Está perdido. Ya sabemos eso. The world is the world. We could say... Things are worse than they've ever been. But really, if you study history, there have been some really bad times. Podemos decir, esta es la época más peor del mundo. Pero si pensamos, ha habido épocas peores. Época cuando Dios destruyó el mundo con diluvio y con fuego. Days when God destroyed the world by flood and by fire and brimstone. So we can't say, we're not winning souls because the world is the problem. The world is the world. El mundo es el mundo. Entonces, si el Evangelio no es el problema, y el mundo no es el problema, entonces tenemos que decir que la iglesia es el problema. Then we have to say, okay, then if the world is not the problem, and the gospel is not the problem, then the church is the problem. And I want to mention four problems the church has. Number one, the church has a heart problem. Número uno, la iglesia tiene un problema en el corazón. If there is no heart for winning souls, the church has a heart problem. Si la iglesia no tiene un corazón para ganar almas, tiene un problema, una enfermedad 
en su corazón. Ya no siente por el perdido. They no longer feel for the lost. Yo cuando era evangelista me invitaron a una iglesia pequeñita, sentaba 15 personas, había 16. It was, uh, era, estaba llenísima la iglesia ese día. Una campaña exitosa. I preached in a very small church one day. It was 15 seats. There were 16 of us there, so it was standing room only. Y yo prediqué tres noches, prediqué el evangelio. I preached the gospel three nights in a row. And then the last night, one of the elders of the church, she said, Brother Isaac, we really don't want to grow. We're just so happy, just a few of us. And I wanted to say, why did you invite me then? La hermana en la iglesia me dijo, nosotros no queremos crecer. Estamos muy contentos el, 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 el grupito que somos. Y yo dije, pues, ¿para qué me invitaron a mí? And that's really the heart of a dying church. It's just us, we're happy. Nosotros estamos contentos. The church has a heart problem. Number two, the church has a faith problem. Número dos, la iglesia tiene un problema en su fe. How much does the church know? I mean, this, this seminar was taught over and over and over this morning because uh, somebody mentioned that we have learned a lot and we have learned a lot. This is the most educated the church has ever been in the history of the world, of the church. La iglesia del siglo XXI es la iglesia más educada en todas las edades. ¿Y por qué está um, sufriendo de, de esta enfermedad? So why is the church uh, lacking this uh, growth in the winning of souls? Because it lacks faith. The Bible tells us that the nation of Israel, the book of Hebrews chapter 4, did not possess the promises because they did not mix what they knew with faith. Dice la escritura en Hebreos 4 que la nación de Israel no entró a poseer las promesas de Dios porque no mezclaron lo que sabían con la fe. Sabían mucho, pero no la mezclaban con fe y obra. They knew a lot, but they never mixed it with faith. I can know that Jesus saves, but unless I get up and believe that that person I'm going to witness to is going to be saved, There is a problem there. Tiene que haber fe en la obra que, que hacemos. I remember one time we had an outreach at our church. Tuvimos una vez un alcance en nuestra, en nuestra iglesia. And we started inviting families. Las familias comenzaron a invitar sus familiares. There was a, a mother in the church. Una madrecita en la iglesia. Uh, invitó a su hijo rebelde. She invited her rebellious son. And so we were all targeting him. Todos estaban enfocados en él. Y cuando llegaron, llegaron dos hermanos, el rebelde y uno que vino para apoyarlo. And so the rebellious young man came and his brother came to support him. And we preached the gospel and the rebellious young man did not receive Christ. To this day he's running from the gospel. But do you know who did receive Christ? The guy that just happened to come with him. And he is now one of the leaders in our small groups in the church. Because the gospel still works. But we have to mix what we, what we believe about the gospel with our faith and make opportunities for God to move in our community. Tenemos que hacer oportunidades para que Dios se mueva en nuestras comunidades. We have, number three, a language problem. Número tres, la iglesia tiene un problema de lenguaje. And I'm not talking about English, Spanish, bilingual. No estoy hablando español, inglés, bilingüe. You know what our language problem is? Number is four things. We have a, our, our environment is a language. 
la atmósfera de nuestra iglesia es un lenguaje. If you have a friendly church, a hospitable church, a church where people laugh, where people are smiling, that environment is communicating to the lost that this is where you belong. If you have a grumpy church, a uh, serious church, a frowning church, that environment is communicating to the lost, I don't belong there. They were Sinaya. Everybody wants to go where somebody knows their name, right? That's what Cheers said. Some people would rather go to a bar than church because at the bar somebody will love them and at the church they may not find that. We have a language problem in our environment. Number uh, second one, we have a style. Our style is a language. Nuestro vestuario o nuestro estilo es un lenguaje. And I don't mean necessarily just the way we dress, but the style of, of church that we do, el estilo de, de culto que tenemos, el estilo de, de um, alcance que tenemos, la forma en la cual nos presentamos. Un día yo estaba pasando por el, el parque en la ciudad y una de las iglesias uh, pentecosteses más, más uh, conservadas que nosotros estaba allá afuera queriendo ganarse a la vecindad, estaba jugando voleibol y las hermanas jugando voleibol en, en un vestido hasta la arena. Yo pensé, ¿quién de los jóvenes que está pasando por aquí va a decir, ¿qué? ¿Qué disfrutar? Vamos a ir a disfrutar esto. Es un, un lenguaje que está comunicando al mundo. Si quieres ser raro, ven con nosotros. Y nuestro lenguaje está cerrando puertas, nuestro otro problema que tenemos es nuestro lenguaje, es nuestro vocabulario. A veces como cristianos no hemos estado junto a los perdidos por mucho tiempo y ya no sabemos hablar. ¿Cómo te fue ahora? Estoy bendecido, muy, estoy favorecido de Dios, la, estoy redimido, santificado y el perdido no sabe ni de qué estamos hablando. Somebody asked you how you're doing. I am blessed, too blessed to be stressed, highly favored. I am sanctified and justified, and they don't know what we're talking about anymore. Haga un estudio de sus mensajes, pastor. Grábelos. Yo estoy grabando este mensaje ahorita. Y luego, vea, óigalo y piense usted. Si yo no supiere el lenguaje de la Biblia, Pudiere yo, pudiere yo entender este mensaje. Study your sermons. Listen to them. And I always, I don't like to hear myself preach, but I have to hear myself preach because I feel like if I don't hear myself preach, then I shouldn't make anybody else do so. <laughs> Study your sermons. And check your language. Does my vocabulary relate to people? Do I speak in such a way that people can understand the gospel. How did Jesus teach? He would say, it, it was like, and he would take an illustration, a, a picture from life. Jesús cuando enseñaba, tomaba los retratos de la vida, y decía, esto es semejante, el reino de Dios es como una semilla, es como una casa, y, y um, ese lenguaje, ese vocabulario, era para comunicar la verdad. It was a vocabulary that could communicate truth. Uh, or we have a language when we're not meeting needs. Tenemos 
uh, un problema en nuestro lenguaje cuando no estamos uh, cumpliendo las necesidades de nuestra, de nuestra gente, de nuestro pueblo. Do your sermons meet people's needs? I understand it's the word from God. It should be. But you have to, uh, to think about when I present this, is it going to meet somebody's need today? Because, you know, we can teach a, a seven-week series on eschatology, and that would be great. Podemos enseñar una, una, una serie de siete mensajes sobre la escatología, y a mí me encantaría hacer eso. But you know what people really want to know? They don't want to know which way is the Antichrist going to part his hair. They don't want to know um, about those things. They want to know, how do I get through this week with my rebellious teenager? How do I get the bills paid? How do I make it through life? and follow Jesus today. And if we're shooting so far above that only the Bible scholar can understand our message, we have a language problem. Tenemos que hablar a la necesidad. Si hablamos sobre la escatología, me encantaría a mí, pero alguien en la congregación no está interesado en quién va a ser el anticristo. Ellos quieren saber ¿Cómo puedo ganarme a mi hijo rebelde? ¿Cómo puedo componer mi matrimonio? ¿Cómo puedo recibir la paz de Dios en esta situación que estoy pasando? Entonces tenemos que entender que a veces nuestro lenguaje como iglesia es el problema. Y últimamente el, el, el enfoque, we have a focus problem. Tenemos un problema en nuestro enfoque. We often lack focus or we focus on the wrong things. Muchas veces... No tenemos enfoque o nos enfocamos en las cosas equivocadas. Te voy a dar un ejemplo. Cuando yo llegué de pastor en video, todas las, todas las semanas los hermanos los ministerios tenían una venduta de platos. Todas las semanas. El esfuerzo, la energía, el enfoque de las, los hermanos en la iglesia era hacer dinero. Para pagar el bill de la luz, dice, para pagarle al pastor, ya, ya saben. When I got to Beville, every Sunday there was a plate sale at the church. And the whole energy of the church was selling food so we can pay the bills. Yo llegué a, a Beville, uh, no había tenido experiencia pastoral, aunque uh, pasé toda mi vida al lado de pastores y en la iglesia. Pero ser pastor y estar al lado de un pastor no es lo mismo. Digan amén los pastores. No sabe hasta que se mete. Being a pastor, everybody knows what the pastor should do until they're the pastor. Todos saben lo que debe hacer el pastor hasta que son el pastor y luego ya no saben qué deben hacer. Life, real life kicks in. And I came to the church, I said, we're going to... I, I said, really, the best I know how to do is I'm going to study the New Testament and what I find in the New Testament we're going to do in the church. Yo vine a los líderes, les dije, mira, yo voy a estudiar el Nuevo Testamento y lo que el Nuevo Testamento me diga es lo que vamos a hacer en la iglesia. Entonces, yo no veo venduta de platos en el Nuevo Testamento. Dije, lo que sí veo es ofrendas y diezmos. I said, okay, I don't see plate sales in the New Testament. What I do see is tithe and offering. I said, I'll bet that if you will give and tithe, you won't have to sell another plate in this church. 
Dije, si ustedes comienzan a dar y diezmar, ya no vamos a tener que vender platos en esta iglesia. Mi hermano, yo, yo amo a, a las hermanas y las iglesias que han edificado grandes cosas con tamales y obra de mano. Eso es una bendición. Pero creo que ese es un resultado de no obedecer a Dios en otras áreas. Y si el, si el enfoque de nuestra iglesia es vender platos, nuestro enfoque no va a ser ganar almas. Porque están todos cansados. If everyone is tired, no one's going to be winning souls. ¿Sabe usted que cuando comenzamos a enfocarnos en ganar almas, en dar, en diezmar, dar a misiones, Dios comenzó a darnos almas y el corazón del pueblo comenzó a decir, quiero ganar almas. Ahora el pueblo está ocupado, pero está ocupado en tener un estudio bíblico en su casa, una oración en su casa, en, uh, en un alcance hacia la comunidad. Entonces, ¿cuál es el enfoque de nuestra iglesia? Ok, vamos a ir a la página número 3. Let's go to page number 3 here. Because this relates to what we were just talking about. There are three areas we're going to look at that, that reflect the church's health. Hay tres áreas que reflejan la salud de la iglesia. The first one is the church's mission. We're going to talk about that first. The second one is the church's government. We're talking about that. I'm going to take it out of order here in a little bit. And then the third one is the culture of the church. So I want you to look at these things as we go through them and be evaluating how is my church on this point. Vamos a evaluar estas tres cosas para la salud de la iglesia. Aquí están la misión de la iglesia, el gobierno de la iglesia, la cultura de la iglesia. Quiero que usted comience a evaluar eso mientras usted va. If you will look at Matthew chapter 28 verse 18, Mateo capítulo 18, verso, uh, perdón, uh, capítulo 28, verso 18 al 20, Uh, Matthew 28:18-20. Listen to the mission of the church. Aquí está la misión de la iglesia. How many of you would agree that this is the mission of the church? ¿Cuántos estamos de acuerdo que esta es la misión de la iglesia? If the church does nothing else, it must do this. Si la iglesia no hace nada más, tiene que hacer esto. This is, this is an amen moment right there. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Amen. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the marching orders of the church. Estas son las órdenes de la iglesia. Cuando regrese el general, él no nos va a preguntar si hicimos actividades, si fuimos a conferencias, si tuvimos parte en alguna, uh, alguna protesta en la ciudad. No nos va a preguntar eso. Nos va a preguntar si fuimos y predicamos el evangelio al mundo. So there are four things right here in this verse that the church has as its mission. Evangelism, discipleship, education, and mobilization. Cuatro cosas que componen la misión de la iglesia. El evangelismo, el discipulado, 
la educación y la movilización. Evangelism. He said, preach. El evangelismo nos dijo, predica. Predica el evangelio. The church, if it does nothing else, must preach. Si la iglesia no hace nada más, tiene que predicar. It has to be a witness of Christ. Tiene que ser testigo de Jesús. En lo personal, en lo, en lo um, uh, uh, corporal, tiene que ser este testigo. The church must be a witness for Christ. What is your church doing this coming year to win the law? I don't mean, I don't ask you what's it doing to maintain what it already has. What's it doing to win the lost? ¿Qué está nuestra iglesia haciendo en este año que viene para ganar al perdido? What would happen to these statistics if the only thing we did in 2017 was win the lost? Just think about that. Dream about that for a second. ¿Qué pasaría en nuestras iglesias si el año 2017 todo nuestro enfoque fuera ganar almas. Isn't that kind of exciting to think about? Amen. Es emocionante pensar esto. Imagine if 52 weeks a year, the only mission of the church was to get somebody saved. Si 52 semanas al año la misión total de la iglesia fuere, tengo que ganarme un alma. Yo tuve un profesor en la universidad que decía, mi meta es darle el evangelio a un alma cada día. Y dijo, un día me acosté en la cama, venía bien cansado, me acosté y cuando pegó a mi cabeza en la almohada me di cuenta que no le había testificado a nadie ese día. Dijo, me levanté, me vestí y salí a la calle en la noche a buscar a alguien a quien decirle de Jesús. Let's be that church. Vamos a hacer esa iglesia. The church that has a radar for the lost. Beep, 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 beep. Zooming in on our mission. Una iglesia enfocada en nuestra misión. If I as a pastor preach a sermon and I haven't communicated the gospel, if you as a pastor preach a sermon and we encourage and we inspire but we have not brought the lost to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we have not completed our mission. If I am asked to go uh, 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 attend a funeral or if I go and visit someone in the hospital as is often the opportunity that pastors have, we have to take that chance to tell people that there is an eternal question that Jesus is the Savior of the soul. And this, if it's our mission, it's the mission of Jesus. It's the very heartbeat of, the, of God. And often we have decided, well, if I give, I don't have to go. But no, there's a pleasure in going. And here, here's, the, here's the reality. I think most of the pastors here will, will attest to this. If you have a new convert in your church, he will or she will wake up the old converts. 
There is an unbelievable power in a new convert. I have a new convert at the church right now. Every Sunday he's telling pastor, when am I going to get baptized? I say, okay, it's on the schedule. When am I going to get baptized? And, and last Sunday, because he's going to get baptized next this coming Sunday, pastor, I'm so excited, I'm about to get baptized. And I thought, I wasn't even that excited when I got baptized. And this guy is on fire for Jesus. But you know what we do with those guys? We tell them, okay, you need to sit here and take a seven-year course on what it means to be a Christian. And by the time he's done with the course, the fire is gone, the spirit is gone, and he's just like us. We have got to pair him up with some people who haven't done anything for God a long time. And that's, that's what we're seeing when... They get mixed up in the congregation. The, those Christians who have been stale for a little while, they remember, this is what it's all about. <clears throat> to be saved. Don't ever forget what it means to be saved. Se nos olvida lo que es ser salvo. Discipleship. If I ask a question, I want an answer. Just mentally. Okay, I'm going to ask a question. Quick answer. What does your church make? If I asked some members, they would say, tamales. <laughs> we make the best barbecue in town. <laughs> what our answer should be? What does your church make? Disciples. What does your church make? What does it make in the morning? What does it make in the afternoon? What does it make in the evening? What does your church make? Say with some conviction. What does your church make? Disciple. ¿Qué hace tu iglesia? Tamales, pollo, mejor pollo de todo el pueblo. No, nuestra iglesia hace discípulos. Somos una 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 empresa de discipulado. We should be a disciple making factory. They ought to come in one door, lost, and go out the other door, disciples, and made equipped for the kingdom of God. The guy I told you about earlier that got saved by accident, he's now leading a small group, and I have people who've been in church 30 years who've never led a single Bible study. What does your church make? Disciples. Even if it's not true, today is a new day. Aunque no sea cierto, hoy por la fe, ¿qué hace tu iglesia? Discípulo. Education. Christian education is the mission of the church. Jesus told us to go and make disciples and do what? Teach them. Teach them to observe. La educación es una de las metas de la iglesia. Jesús nos dijo, ve a sus discípulos, enséñales a obedecer. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded. This was an area where we had a very good statistic. All of our churches have a teaching and preaching program. Give yourselves a hand. Come on, give yourselves a hand. Todas nuestras iglesias tienen una buena estadística en la enseñanza. 
So we've got to get what we're teaching, mix it with faith, turn it into action, and then the mobilization, this that last part, Jesus said, go. What did he say? Go. Jesús dijo, ir. Esto es la movilización de la iglesia. Our churches, if they are disciple-making factories, will be making missionaries, they will be making pastors, they will be making evangelists, they will be making teachers, they will be making people who are going to impact the kingdom of God. So mobilize. Mobilizate. What was the last time you did something new? ¿Cuándo fue la última vez que hicieron algo nuevo en su iglesia? It's quiet in here today. The last time you did something new, why does that matter? Because maybe you're doing something that God moved on from. Maybe you're still in the tabernacle when you should be in the temple. Maybe you're still in the temple when you ought to be in Christ. See, God has taught us that He's on the move. Esta pregunta es importante porque a lo mejor estamos haciendo algo que Dios ya no está haciendo. Haciendo algo que Dios ya no está usando. He used it yesterday. But if He's not, if he's not using it today, I want to be where God is. Yo quiero estar donde Dios está. And, and the, the methods of the church have to change. Los métodos tienen que cambiar. Someone has said that you should uh, marry your message but date your method. In other words, the message is permanent, but the method is temporary. There used to be a day that if you put up a tent in your neighborhood as a church, you could win souls that way. But God isn't using that quite as much anymore. So we've got to find what is God using. And here's the thing. I absolutely believe this. Every church is good at something. You're not good at everything. But you're, you're going to be good at something. If your church is good at making uh, chicken, barbecue chicken, then make the best barbecue chicken you have and give it to people. So that when people say, that church is good at, at barbecue chicken, but they also gave me good news with that place. Whatever it is you're good at, be the best at it. Maybe your church is the best at funerals. You know, every town has a church that everybody wants to use for funerals. I don't know how that landed on me, but I, I did four funerals my first week as a pastor. And I quickly realized, This is an opportunity. Aquí está tu iglesia, es la que todos los pueblos tienen una iglesia a donde todos quieren ir para tener sus funerales. Logra eso, si esta es tu iglesia. Take advantage of that. Make it the best funeral you ever had and then preach the gospel. Love on that family. Maybe your church is not, not the church people go to for funerals. Maybe there is something else that you do well. 
Find what you do well and maximize it. Encuentra lo que tú haces bien y haz lo más, lo más grande que se pueda. Because God has gifted every church in town to reach somebody. Dios ha puesto en cada iglesia, en cada pueblo, las iglesias que van a alcanzar a una cantidad de personas. Listen, no church can reach everybody, but every church can reach somebody. So if you don't speak English, your Spanish-speaking church, work the Spanish. Si usted no habla inglés, no se preocupe. Trabaje el español lo más que pueda. Si usted es una iglesia uh, puro inglés, entonces trabaje el inglés. If you're bilingual, work the bilingual. If you uh, if just look around and say, what are we good at? You know, I looked around our city and I thought, you know what, there's one thing we're good at that no one else is quite as good at as we are. And, and that is that we can speak to three generations, Spanish only, English only, and both. So we have to maximize that. That's the, that's the power, the hidden power of our denomination, is that we are right in the middle of the demographic where we can reach two worlds, that we will maximize the gifts that are within us. Come on, somebody. What are you good at? Do that. But I need to skip ahead here. We're going to come back if we have time. Go to page five, please. This is the, the second indicator for a healthy church. A healthy church, página número cinco, una iglesia saludable es una iglesia que tiene un gobierno saludable. A healthy church has healthy church government. Although every church has certain nuances and ideology about its church government, the following three things are essential principles for biblical church government. Why should we talk about the health of the church and church government? Because if you don't have a healthy government in your church, God will not bless your church above the level of your health. ¿Por qué es importante tener un gobierno saludable en la iglesia? Porque si no hay salud en el gobierno de la iglesia, Dios no va a bendecir más allá que la salud de tu iglesia. Why? Would you send your, your children, their first year of school, to a school that you knew was not healthy? No. So why would we ask God to send souls to an unhealthy church? He's going to send souls to a church that can keep them. Dios va a mandar las almas a donde hay salud. So today is not about, let's have the biggest church in town. Maybe you're not called to have the biggest church in town. But you can have a healthy church. No se trata de, vamos a tener la iglesia más grande. A lo mejor Dios no nos llamó a eso. Quizá no nos llamó a ser la iglesia más grande. Pero sí podemos tener una iglesia saludable. You can have a small church and be healthy. Puedes tener una iglesia pequeña y tener salud. So these principles are important. Estos principios son muy importantes. Now, every, every one of our churches does things a little differently. Cada una de estas iglesias hace las cosas un poco diferente. Algunos eligen al pastor, otros no. Otros eligen a los líderes de departamento por votos. Otros son apuntados por el pastor, la directiva. Eso no es el, el tema. Hay tres cosas esenciales para la salud 
de la iglesia. Three essentials here. A healthy church government must be theocratic. La, la, una, un gobierno de iglesia saludable tiene que ser teocrático. Amen. And uh, I want to thank Pastor Munoz uh, for this. Quiero darle gracias al Pastor Munoz por esto. We were in a convention once. It was a special convention in, in Victoria. Some of you remember that. And I, uh, in conversation with him, I made a statement. I said, I said, well, I guess that's the democratic process. Okay, este es el proceso democrático. And in his classic diplomatic way, he said, actually, this is not a democracy. This is a theocracy. And I know what a theocracy is. A theocracy is Moses goes up to the mountain, God gives him the Ten Commandments, and God speaks to Moses directly, and he comes down and tells the people. But what do you do when you don't have Mount Sinai, a burning bush, and those types of things? Can you still have a theocracy? Here's what I come to learn. That a theocracy is simply this, where God's will is sought and obeyed. Amen. Una teocracia es un gobierno donde la voluntad de Dios se busca y se hace. This is what I believe the Lord has challenged me with for us today. That many of our churches are not healthy because Jesus is not the Lord of the church. All of us would say, Who's the Lord of my church? Jesus is Lord. Cada uno de nosotros si dijere, ¿Quién es el Señor de tu iglesia? Todos dirían, Jesús es el Señor de la iglesia. Pero, cuando tenemos juntas, además de la oración en, la, en el principio de la junta, no consultamos con Dios. But we have meetings, and except for the courtesy prayer at the beginning of the meeting, we don't talk to God. We don't ask God, what do you want to do in this city? Señor, ¿qué quieres hacer en esta ciudad? Eso demuestra que Jesús no es Señor, porque si Él es Señor, Él es el que va a dar la directiva. If Jesus is Lord, He's going to give the directives. Uh, I, I have a policy with my board of directors in the church that we don't do anything as a board unless we're in agreement. You say, Pastor, that's a recipe for gridlock. But here's how we see it. If there's seven of us, five vote for something, two vote against, somebody didn't hear from God. Maybe it was the five that heard from God. Maybe it was the two that heard from God. A theocracy says, we got to all hear from God. And if you don't have people that can't hear from God, they shouldn't be on our church boards. Because we need people in government who know how to hear the voice of God. Eh, yo, eh, en la iglesia la, la forma que practicamos esto es que como, como equipo tenemos que estar de acuerdo si no estamos de acuerdo no nos movemos en un tema ¿por qué? porque uh, si, si cinco votaron a, a favor y dos en contra alguien no oyó de Dios el sistema democrático dice la mayoría gana pero la, a veces la mayoría está equivocada Well, the majority wins, and sometimes the majority is wrong. So we have to seek to have uh, policies in place that say, Jesus be Lord of this church. Tenemos que buscar policies en nuestra iglesia donde podamos ser guiados por el Espíritu 
de Dios. Listen to what the Word of God says. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. He who is led by the Spirit of God is a child of God. Dice Romanos 8 verse 14. Que el que es guiado por el Espíritu es hijo de Dios. Esa es la señal de ser hijo. Number two, the second thing that a healthy church needs in its government is apostolic and prophetic guidance. Número dos es uh, la iglesia necesita guianza apostólica y profética. Now this is a little bit outside of our denominational uh, vocabulary. Esto es un poco raro, suena un poco raro para nuestro vocabulario de la denominación. All of our churches have a pastor and teachers. But Jesus gave the church prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Jesús dio a la iglesia apóstoles, profetas, uh, evangelistas, pastores, maestros. Todas nuestras iglesias tienen la voz pastoral y tienen la voz uh, eh, del maestro, pero necesitan la voz del profeta y la voz del apóstol y la voz del evangelista. We need to pray today that God will give the church evangelists if I sit down and they never stop <laughs> listen we need to pray today that God will give the church evangelists I don't mean people that just come to our churches to receive an offering I mean people that come to our churches to leave something Necesitamos orar que Dios levante evangelistas en nuestras iglesias. No solamente personas que vengan a recibir ofrendas de nuestra iglesia, pero personas que vengan a dejar algo, a depositar algo en nuestras iglesias. We need to pray that God will raise up the new generation of Billy Graham. Tengo que orar que Dios levante otra generación de hombres como Billy Graham, evangelistas que... que Conocen uh, la, la, el, el Evangelio y lo predican con poder. People who preach the gospel with power. We need to restore the prophetic voice, la voz profética. What is a prophet? Basically, a prophet is someone who understands the times. Un profeta es alguien que entiende los tiempos. It's not necessarily someone that tells the future. We all like those kinds of prophets. Todos queremos profetas que venga y nos diga Uh, usted va a ser bendecido, usted va a ser prosperado y, y es todo bueno, pero necesitamos de aquellos profetas como Juan el Bautista que nunca profetizó ni un evento futuro, solo supo lo que estaba pasando en ese día. John the Baptist was the kind of prophet who never foretold any future events. All he did was tell Israel the state of its time. We need the prophetic voice in the church. Necesitamos la voz profética en la iglesia que nos diga, mira, todos están diciendo paz, paz, pero no hay paz, hay peligro. We need the apostolic voice. Necesitamos la voz apostólica. Now this is, this is a, a, uh, a term we almost never use because we're afraid of being presumptuous and so on. Este término no lo usamos porque tenemos miedo a ser uh, presumidos a decir el hermano apóstolo o lo que sea. But really, what are we talking about the apostle? The apostle is someone who functions in all the other gifts and who has been given as a gift to the body of Christ. Un apóstol es alguien que 
funciona en todos los dones y ha sido dado como don al cuerpo del Señor Jesucristo. Listen, if you have a gift, that's one thing. But when you are a gift, that's a whole other thing. Cuando tienes un don, eso es algo bueno. If someone has a gift of preaching and they go, someone else can come with a gift of preaching. But an apostle is the gift. And when they're gone, they're gone. And the church has become so lone ranger in its thinking. La iglesia se ha hecho como el, uh, el llanero solitario en su pensamiento, que no necesitamos a nadie que venga de arriba a decirme qué que estoy haciendo bien o mal. We don't have accountability from above. You know, most of our churches don't render any statistics or, or submit their tithes, our ministers. What's going on here? We have lost our upward accountability. Hemos perdido nuestra contabilidad como ministros. Muchos no diezmamos, otros no rinden estadística. No hay contabilidad porque pensamos nadie me va a decir a mí qué hacer o no hacer. Pero necesitamos la voz apostólica. And I know that Dr. Longoria will not uh, enjoy me saying this, but Dr. Longoria is our bishop, and he is an apostle to our churches. He's a gift to our church. He'll never let us call him apostle. But we need to recognize that he's the gift to our churches. And I believe that Dr. Carmona, Pastor Montoya are, are similar. When you have a problem in your church, call somebody above you. To say, come over here. Call the presbyter. Call one of the members of the board of trustees. Somebody that you know is spiritual, that hears the voice of God, and they can come in there and say, this is what God is saying. Somebody that won't give you a political answer, they won't give you a, a uh, sideways answer, that will say, this is what God is saying. We need the voice of the apostle in our generation. And you, uh, men and women of the, of the church and pastors, your church can be an apostolic church. A church that is helping. If you have a, a strong, healthy church, you can be an apostolic church by simply just feeding other churches. By helping somebody else. Usted puede ser una iglesia apostólica simplemente cuando usted como iglesia se está saludable le ayuda a otra iglesia. Está haciendo esa obra. Y cuando la iglesia carece de esa voz, when the church is, is lacking that voice, it gets off track. Se pierde. Listen, God grows what's under submission. Dios crece lo que está, bajo, lo que está sujeto. If you don't have submission in your ministry to the, to the people God has placed above you, Don't expect the people beneath you to honor you. Si no, tienes, si no está sujeto a lo que viene arriba de usted, no espere que lo que viene de abajo le vaya a honrar. Because we will reap what we sow. Amen. Number three, biblical healthy, your healthy biblical government is singular headship and plural leadership. Número tres, um, 
Le liderazgo singular y plural en la iglesia. What does this mean? Very quickly, listen, uh, notice this. In the New Testament, the church elders are always referred to as the plural. Chapter 1, the 12. Chapter 6, they called the 12. When they made major decisions in the early church, there was plural leadership. La iglesia uh, uh, primitiva cuando se unía tenía liderazgo, uh, tenía un liderazgo plural. Los doce, los apóstoles. So what, what does that mean? We make decisions as a group of leaders. But once that meeting is over, we have one head. Hacemos decisiones en la iglesia, en el gobierno de la iglesia, como un grupo. Pero cuando se termina esa junta, hay un líder. Entonces, si usted es el, es el copastor y el pastor va a hacer lo que él, él decidió hacer, y ustedes no estaban de acuerdo, cuando salen de esa junta, usted se pone de acuerdo con él. Aunque no le gustó la idea. Usted va a ser el campeón de esa idea ahora. ¿Por qué? Porque Él es la cabeza. Now, churches have extremes. Some churches, they can't make a decision unless all, all the board gets together. Vamos a, vamos a cancelar el culto porque hubo un funeral. O vamos a tener una junta, decidir si sí o si no. Otras iglesias, el pastor hace todo. No hay equipo. Los dos son extremos. Yo llegué una vez a una iglesia, el pastor abrió la puerta, prendió las luces, prendió el aire acondicionado, afinó la guitarra, uh, comenzó el servicio, dirigió, cantó, levantó la ofrenda, la contó, predicó, oró por los enfermos, llamó al altar, despidió, apagó las luces, cerró la puerta y se fue. Todo lo hizo el pastor. Eso no es saludable. That's not healthy when the pastor does everything. It's not a, is it healthy when the pastor can't do anything. The, a healthy church has to have that understanding. God put this person as our leader. When we come together, we want to seek the will of God. And when we're no longer in committee, he or she is the person that God is going to lead and direct in these decisions. Well, there are some obstacles here. I have to go quickly because I'm out of time. But... Obstacles to a healthy church government. Number one is emotionally unhealthy leaders. Líderes que no son saludables emocionalmente son un obstáculo a la salud de la iglesia. Listen, pastors, ministers, if we're not healthy, our church will not be healthy. Pastores, si no tenemos salud, nuestras iglesias no van a tener salud. Mark 15, 10, the church leaders had envy. Ephesians 4, 26-27 talks about keeping yesterday's anger. Yo sé si los pastores acá se enojan, pero de vez en cuando en el sur de Texas los pastores se enojan. Acá no. Pero bueno. Y si, y si nos enojamos, nadie nos ve. Debe ser así. Pero sabe usted que si usted guarda el rencor de ayer, ya está en pecado. 
you keep yesterday's anger, you're in sin. I met with a pastor in our city uh, the other day, about eight months ago, he had a church split. Eight months later, it's still there. I know that's painful, but if we don't let go of yesterday's anger, it becomes bitterness. And what did Jesus, what does the scripture say? It becomes a door for the devil. Si no dejamos ir el enojo de ayer, se hace una puerta para el diablo. So we've got to deal with it. And I've, I've come today to tell you, Pastor, if you're carrying yesterday's anger or yesterday's bitterness or yesterday's brokenness, let it go today. Jesus heals. Si usted está cargando el rencor de ayer, deja que Cristo lo sane. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 speaks of the root of bitterness. Hebreos 12, 14 al 15, en la raíz de amargura. 2 Timothy 1, 17, the spirit, the spirit of fear and insecurity. Segundo uh, Timoteo 1, 7, la inseguridad y el, eh, el espíritu de temor. Estas enfermedades emocionales dañan el cuerpo de Cristo. These uh, infirmities Emotional infirmities will damage the body of Christ. Think about Absalom. Absalom was a leader who had a father issue. And because he had problems with his dad, he led all of Israel into ruin. Sometimes the people who are rebelling in your church don't have a problem with you. They have a problem with you because you're the authority and they have a problem with their father. And for 20, 30 years, they can't get over anybody in authority because they have an issue of bitterness in their heart. And friends, the worst case is when that person becomes a leader in your church. You put someone in leadership. Sometimes we make the mistake. We don't know them until they manifest. And by then, they already have four positions. <laughs> They're the biggest tither. But that, that wickedness will infect the whole body. Others have a Cain problem. What was Cain's problem? He was defensive, unteachable. If we're unteachable as leaders, no humility, we can't learn, we can't grow, we're in trouble. Samson was unhealthy in his relationships. How many great ministries have come down because of unhealthy relationships? ¿Cuántos ministerios han decaído por causa del de, uh, problema que tuvo Samson de relaciones que no eran saludables? Do you have a friend that you can talk to? Do you have a, a fellow pastor in your city that you can be honest with and say, this is what's happening in my life, in my ministry? When we lack that, it gives a, an open door for unhealthiness to come in. And our relationships have to be sound. Nuestras relaciones tienen que estar y ser sanas. Others have a, uh, a Jezebel issue. Uh, this is an emotional problem of manipulation and control. El problema de Jezabel, la manipulación y el control. Uh, I think probably all of us have had to deal with people who have had a Jezebel spirit. The worst is to have them as your pastor. I didn't know a pastor could have a Jezebel spirit. Sure. 
When you see manipulation and control, that's the Jezebel spirit. La manipulación y el control, ese es un espíritu de Jezabel. And so we have to do an evaluation of ourselves and say, am I healthy emotionally? Listen. I, I don't, I can't go any further. I, I'm out of time. But I just, there's one more point on here. The point of confrontation. If you don't confront the things in your church, they will destroy your church. Lo que no confrontamos en nuestras iglesias puede destruir nuestras iglesias. And I believe the Lord gave me specifically this word for us this morning. We have to go home and deal with it. Listen, I'm going to say that again. We have to go home and deal with it. Confront it. Tenemos que regresar a casa y confrontar las cosas que están dañando nuestras iglesias. Listen, church. If you have a Jezebel, if you have a Jezebel or a Cain, a Cain or an Absalom or a Samson issue in your church, if we don't deal with it, it will destroy it. And if you don't deal with it from the pulpit, a lot of times I hear pastors try to deal with issues from the pulpit. I want to deal with the hermano de la iglesia, la dirección. That's not the place for it. You know why? Because people see that as a lack of integrity. If you have something to say to me, call me to the office. Tell me face to face with my brother. That's what Jesus taught us to do. We don't deal with issues from the pulpit. No, no tratamos los asuntos de nuestra iglesia de público. Nos tratamos en la oficina, cara a cara. Buscando sanar heridas, seeking to heal. And today, God wants to heal your heart. Dios quiere sanar tu corazón. In any place where there is brokenness, He wants to heal it. Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan has desired to sit you as we are sitting. Jesus said to Pedro, Satanás ha deseado To sit weak means you break it down, shake it up, and you blow it away. That's what Satan wants to do to your ministry. He wants to shake you down, break you down, and blow you away. And maybe you come to this conference and the fact that you're here it is a miracle. The fact that you made it is a miracle. You didn't have the money, but you got here because you said God is calling you to this place because He has something for you. Listen, Jesus said, Peter, Satan has desired to sit through his weeks, but I have prayed for you. I want you just to bow your head where you are. And sense the divine hand of Jesus on your shoulder.
he says to you, I have prayed for you. You have been broken down in some areas. You have been shaken up. You have been blown away in some areas. But I have been interceding for you. Hoy el Señor te dice, como le dijo a Pedro, Satanás ha deseado salanciarte, pero yo he orado por ti. I want you to realize this morning that while you pray, you're not praying alone. We have a divine intercessor at the right hand of the throne of God who is interceding on your behalf, on behalf of your ministry. Hay un intercesor divino esta mañana que está sentado a la diestra de Dios Padre y él te dice, yo he orado por ti. Somebody is praying for you. That's why you haven't given up and that's why you haven't quit and that's why you haven't failed and you haven't lost because somebody is praying for you. Jesus, the very one who called you to the ministry, is praying for you. El mismo que te llamó al ministerio está orando por ti. Come on, just lift your voice all over this room. Pray as the Spirit leads. Vamos a orar así como el Espíritu de Come on, we're Pentecostals. We know how to pray. Let's raise our voice. Vamos a levantar nuestra voz. Yo he orado por ti. Tu salud me interesa a mí. Your health is important to me, says the Lord. The health of your church is important to me because it's a divine church. Your ministry is my ministry. La salud de tu iglesia me interesa a mí porque es mi iglesia. Como tú recibes divine impartation, whoever you are, if you want to come into this altar, then just let's do that. Si quieres pasar esta entrada, vamos a hacer eso. Pero vamos a ponernos en un lugar donde Dios puede hablar. Let's put ourselves in a place where God can speak.
Thank you.